Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friend. We have an exciting guest today. Tina Ramirez is the founder and president of Hardmark Global and a good friend. Before I forget, she will be appearing in Southern California in Riverside at La Sierra University's Constantine Hall on February 12 at 6 p.m. The topic, Who Defends the Persecuted in Iraq, Nigeria, and Sudan? You want more information, check us out at churchfaith.org. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, Tina. It's a delight to have you. Thanks for having me with you, Alan. This has been an exciting journey. Five years you've been at this. I remember when we were in Richmond, when you were talking about starting Hardwired Global. Looking back, tell us about some of the major accomplishments in these past five years. Yeah, it's been a long journey since we started when I when I met you in Richmond um, several years ago. But uh, for those of you that don't know, Hardwired Global is an organization that provides education and training to indigenous leaders in countries where there's significant religious persecution. And we train them in how to defend religious freedom for all people so that there can be greater support for this freedom across society. And the leaders that we train are lawyers and judges and uh, educators and journalists and government officials. They're all different kinds, but they're people of influence in the society. And so we've been really blessed in the last five years to work with some exciting leaders in countries like Sudan and Nigeria and Iraq and other parts of the world that are really transforming their societies for good and for the freedom of people that are have been persecuted and oppressed. So uh, that's what I'd love to share some of those highlights with you today. Sure. Well, you know, thinking about Iraq, um, probably the only city that uh, many Americans may recognize outside of Baghdad is the city of Mosul, which has been in the news so much. And I understand you have an exciting new project in Mosul. We do. So we've been working in Iraq since 2015, training the first civil society leaders to defend religious freedom there. So uh, as many of your listeners know, there was a genocide began in 2014 in northern Iraq. And even prior to that, religious minority communities had been had been decimated by the conflict in Iraq. And so there was a lot of need for reconciliation and for religious freedom in the country. And that's what we did with the first civil society leaders. But since then, in the last couple of years, we've been working with teachers and helping them um, work with children who were traumatized by the conflict um, when ISIS came in and, and the genocide that occurred and the attacks on their religious community to overcome that trauma and to learn how to live in peace with one another. And what seemed like a distant, just a distant dream, like something that wouldn't be a reality for them has become a reality. And it's been really encouraging to see how teachers who had once seen children playing games on the playground where they were beheading other students, just as games, because that's what they had seen ISIS do, are now learning how to defend people of different faiths and, and embrace religious freedom. So in in um, last year, the government of Kurdistan invited us to train all of their teachers in religious freedom. And then just last week, my colleague was in Mosul, where, um, which was really the one of the epicenters or the strongholds for ISIS in northern Iraq, and where 600,000 children had lived and been brainwashed to hate by ISIS and to kill um, 
And the government Bozal just invited us officially to come and train all 40,000 teachers to embrace religious freedom and teach their children how to embrace it so that they could rescue this generation from from hate and another uh, the cycle of violence that just keeps perpetuating itself there. So we're really excited about this. The, the kids that have gone through our program already um, just and the teachers, they come out with so much more hope that they don't have to look forward to another conflict, but maybe they can avoid it by simply learning how to live together in peace. And, and, you know, so Tina, you know, my mind is spinning as I'm hearing this exciting (laughs) development in two different directions. One is what kind of resources does it take to be able to train 40,000 teachers? And how do you marshal those resources? Well, it's definitely going to take a lot of resources, and uh, we estimate that it'll take between about four to six million dollars to retrain all of the teachers over the next four years. And um, so it'll be a training of trainers model, which is what we've done in the past, where when you can train a core group in uh, through a pe- pedagogy of conceptual change, so that they're able to actually embrace a new pedagogy of teaching and embrace the concepts of religious freedom themselves, then they can then train other teachers to do it. Um, so we'll do it that way. But then we also have developed some resources with the Iraqi teachers that have already gone through the program. So we have about five different lessons that have been used across Iraq already and a play that can be used at the school-wide level. So we have some different methods that we can already give teachers curriculum that they could utilize in their classes, uh, but that we could also um, help them use to, to mobilize the entire school and community to work together towards religious freedom. So we have a, a model that we'd be able to systematically work with those teachers there. And we have a, a team of trained leaders already in Mosul that are ready to go. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, as we get funding um, over the next four to five years, we'll be we'll be implementing this project and, and working while the door is still open to retrain all of those teachers. Well, that is so exciting. But now I want to ask a question that's very different because with American policy, uh, you know, with the, the travel ban which has been derided as a Muslim ban. Uh, you know, there's a lot of attitudes in the United States within the Christian community that is rather hostile to the Islamic community that associate uh, Muslims with terrorism, etc. Now, you are a Christian, and you're going into Muslim countries where Muslims have been killing each other, really, and persecuting those who are of a different Muslim faith, as well as Christians, and you're caring about teaching them how to get along and not persecute each other. Um, Why do you do this? Well, I think that everybody should be able to live together in peace and have um, the freedom to practice their faith, whatever that might be. I want to be able to do it for myself, and I want others to be able to choose, um, you know, what the truth is to follow and to hear to hear different ideas and to be able to determine what it is that they should believe and follow. And so the only way that that happens is when there's a culture of respect for religious freedom as a concept or as a value for all people. It can't just happen if we believe it for ourselves, but not for others. Um, and when we believe strongly in something, if we believe it's true, we should never be afraid that it's going to be, that it's going to be challenged by somebody else. If it's the truth, it'll withstand the test of time, you know, of other ideas. So, um, when we go around the world, we've been in over 30 countries, we see that really at the core of what people are afraid of when they hear about religious freedom or they hear about other religions that want to share their ideas in their space, it often just comes down to a fear of of being influenced by other ideas and, and really not being confident enough in their own. 
to withstand them. And so when we work with communities, whether it's in Iraq or Sudan or Nepal or wherever, we have to break down that discomfort in people. You know, whether when we're, for instance, in like Morocco, the people there, it's a Muslim country. It's run by a king who's the defender of the faith. And that's something he wants to protect. And when we're in America, many Americans think that this is a Christian country based on Judeo-Christian values and that that's something that they want to protect. And so I can respect that in both societies. And I can say, even you know, with those dominant cultures, there still has to be a place for people that may disagree with you. There's a right to be wrong wherever you're at. And uh, you can respect the culture, whether it's Morocco or America or whatever the value system is in that culture, but you can also respect people that might believe differently and um, and share space with them. Like open competition of ideas is not bad. It's only it only helps um, bring the truth to the surface, in my opinion. So um, that's what we do. We don't try to change anyone's beliefs or ideas. But we just try to help them understand that religious freedom is in their best interest and in the interest of people everywhere, so that we can all in this global world live together <laughs> and somehow get along. So Tina, um, how are you received as a Christian? When you go into these Muslim countries like Morocco or Iraq or Nigeria, um, are they suspicious that uh, you have improper motives? How has that gone? Well, I think that that's, you know, it's interesting because we live in a very secular country for the most part. Um, And so it's a common question here. But um, as a person of faith, when we are in a different country that is very religious, people actually respect you more. I've found when you do have a strong faith and value system because it's it's similar to their own in a way. Um, now they don't want you proselytizing or evangelizing them, but but that's not what we do. The organization that I run, Hardwired, is not a religiously based organization, even though our goal is freedom of of conscience and religion and belief for everybody. So it's uh, it gives us, I think, a platform. Um, you know, I happen to be Christian, but I have other staff that are of different faiths, and it's. It's just, you know, because we don't teach faith, we're, we just teach people how to um, overcome their fears uh, and misconceptions of one another and build a value for the religious freedom of others or the freedom of conscience of others, regardless of what they believe, that that, that, can, be, that, that, that can be embraced in their society so that their societies can be more stable and peaceful, so that they can have, um, you know, so that they don't descend into conflict and, and tyranny, essentially, or, or chaos, which is what's happened in so much of the world. So. You know, I'm hearing your words and and your work in these other countries where we know religious freedom is so elusive, but they seem to apply just as much to the kind of polarization that we have in our own society here in America. And mm-hmm. and one of the words that I'm I'm hearing is fear. Um, yeah. And we we have so much of the politics of fear in this country. But uh, you know, explore that a little more in these countries where there's so much fear and intolerance, you know, what is the role that fear plays? No, that's a great question, Alan. So as you know, I'm going to be speaking at Syria University in a couple weeks, and um, I have three countries that I'm talking about, Sudan, Nigeria, and Iraq. And uh, if I took Nigeria, or northern Nigeria is predominantly Muslim, not 100%. There's some cities that are 60%, 40%, but it's predominantly Muslim. And the southern part of Nigeria is predominantly or overwhelmingly Christian. and um, as you may know, or your listeners may know, there's uh, the threat from the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram, which means against Western education, which has kidnapped um, young girls. It's it's slaughtered people in villages. But then you also have the Fulani herdsmen that have gone and attacked um, and killed many Christians across 
the middle states across northern Nigeria. And there's this there's this um, huge just conflict emerging in Nigeria. And as we've gone into Nigeria to begin to train leaders in the north to defend religious freedom and to begin to mitigate this conflict, what we found is that the Muslims in the north are afraid of the Christians in the south running the country and taking it over and that they would lose their freedom. And the Christians in the south have the same fear of the Muslims in the north. So, but that fear then is fueling so much of the conflict, not so much from the Christian South, but from, um, I mean, which is just corrupt and it has a number of other problems, but um, in the overstep of the military or from the South. But in the North, you've got these herdsmen and then Islamic terrorist groups that are overwhelmingly just driven by this desire to make sure that their religious community and ethnic communities rule the country and aren't in any way... Um, sidelined by a, a Christian South. And so Tina, we're going to have to continue this conversation another time because we're way out of time. Oh, uh, gosh. Listeners, if you're here in Southern California, she will be appearing in Southern California in Riverside at La Sierra University's Constantine Hall on February 12 at 6 p.m. The topic, who defends the persecuted in Iraq, Nigeria and Sudan? Please come on February 12th to La Sierra University, where Tina will be addressing the students. You can find the information on our website at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. Our guest today, Tina Ramirez, founder and director of Hardwired Mobile. As we close, remember, friends, at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. Org. That's churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is definitely not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom Spring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. Religiousliberty.info. And be sure to listen to other Freedom Spring programs on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.